0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we've been talking as we go through the chapter about different activities which bring us onto the boundary of breaking Shabbat. Not that break is Shabbat explicitly really, but we've been circling around the boundaries, the boundaries that the rabbis put on us and really um, we've been focusing on activities which people are under pressure to do because of a mitzvah. We're now going to enter the second chapter. We're talking about lights. It's a very famous chapter because we read it on Erev Shabbat. And we are going to see that the same, the same issues about how close or how, how far away we can get to um, breaking Shabbat, how far or how close the rabbis will let us go, um, runs right the way through the chapter as do other kinds of conflicts of values by the way and just as an introduction to the chapter of lighting the light i wanted just to bring you we're going to learn, look at the first Mishnah in a sec but i just wanted to bring you a comment from the Bar Tanura on this first mishnah and he sets the scene really which i wanted us to have in our mind as we read through the mishnah we hold that the shabbat candle is obligatory it's not possible to start shabbat without a candle and you know they're all kind you know it's to do with peace in the house it's to do with joy it's to do with the fact that you know a, a, a um a um um A meal shouldn't, you know, a meal of a mitzvah shouldn't happen, you know, without light. There are many reasons why the Shabbat candle is obligatory. But because the Shabbat candle is obligatory, how we create it and what sort of danger we get into as we create it is of great interest to the rabbis. So we're going to start. So what are we going to light with and what are we, are we not going to light with? And we're now going to have a list of possible wicks. we got cedar fiber, in this translation, cedar fiber, carded flax, raw silt, willow strands, desert wicks, seaweed. These are all different kinds of wicks. And the Gemara goes into great detail to try and figure out exactly what these substances are. And after the list of wicks, we actually have a list of fuels. So we've got Zefet and Shavar and Shemen Kik and Shemen Sreifah and Alian Chelav. We've got pitch wax, wax pitch wax castor oil. Shemen Sreifah we've touched upon in, in the chapter of Trumot actually. Shemen Srefa is Truma oil, which has become um it's become tamay that's a problem and we know right we know that's a problem right because if it's tame we can't give it to the kohen but we can't do anything else with it so what are we going to do with it well we're going to burn it shemen is truma oil which has become tame and we're going to burn it and usually it's just referred to as shemen srefah that's how we're going to refer it onwards and then Tail fatu chelav and Nahum hamadi nahum the mead says that you can kindle with chelav as long as it's melted and the sages say whether melted or not they may not kindle with it the Gemara is going to explain this Mishnah in terms of practicality and in particular in terms of how close it might bring us to wanting to break Shabbat and the Rabbah said we're jumping into the the, um, the Babylonian the Talmud Bavli now the Babylonian Talmud until now we've mainly looked at the Yerushalmi actually but now we're in the Bavli he explains, look, we've had a list of wicks and we've had a list of oils. That's in our Mishnah. That's the structure of the Mishnah, the wicks and the oils. And and Rabbi said the wicks are given because the fire flickers on them. It sputters and it doesn't work, burn well. And the oils operate in the same way. They're not drawn effectively by the wick. And the Rabbis are worried that we've got a light. We have a um we have an ancient light a light of the time of the Mishnah, it's essentially a crockery implement full of oil and it's got a wick hanging into it the we light the wick and the wick will draw the oil out of the crockery implement it's hanging over and the rabbis are anxious that we're going to somehow if it's not drawing well we're going to tip the oil and start a real fire and we know from all of our discussions on cooking and on fire on shabbat in the first chapter that we can't create a real fire on shabbat we can carry on a fire which is already lit but just as we're not going to stoke the coals to improve the heat on our roast remember that's the end of the last chapter of the Mishnah, we, we don't put ourselves into a situation where someone might be tempted to stoke the coals in order to get a better roast for his Shabbat evening dinner. We ought to put ourselves in a situation where we might tip we might be tempted to tip the light, tip this this wooden vessel in order to get more oil into the wick. And then we might start a real fire. And then or we might stoke up the fire and then we really have broken Shabbat. So we're trying to keep what we need light. The light is a mitzvah. But having that light brings us very close to breaking Shabbat and we need to keep away from that. And that's the reason behind this particular choice of oils and wicks. It's analogous in some way to how we behave with food going onto the roast as as Shabbat comes in. Now, the Mishnah then goes on to say, We don't light with Shemen Shrefa on festivals. And we saw at the end of the previous Mishnah, Mishnah 1, Shemen Shrefa is one of the lists of things that we don't kindle with. We don't kindle with pitch, wax, castor oil. Shemen Shrefa. And there is a view in the Gemara, by the way, that this halakha that applies to ordinary Shabbatot is actually applied because sometimes an ordinary, ordinary Erev Shabbat, an ordinary Erev Shabbat, which is really when we're going to light our light. OK, we're going to light on Erev Shabbat. We're not lighting on Shabbat. Sometimes the Erev Shabbat falls on a festival and we have a Pasuk. It's a Pasuk related to offerings. We don't leave the offerings Um, uh, we, we don't leave anything left over until morning and if any of it's left the next morning we burn it and this is the next morning after the festival the idea is that we burn leftover sacrifices the day after the festival but we don't burn them on the festival itself and along the same lines, we don't burn shemen Srefa on a festival itself. And the second mishnah, ein Madlikimba shemen bi yom tov, is a reference to not burning. It's not we're not going to burn holy things on yom tov, and that probably explains why, or at least according to the Gemara, that explains why generally we don't use shemen Srefa for oil for for lighting on Shabbat, because erev Shabbat may be a festival. And then Rabbi Ishmael is going to carry on with some more kinds of, of fuels, tar, because it smells bad. It's not it's not honorable to the Shabbat and um, it's, it's not honorable to the Shabbat to, to light with tar. the something that smells disgusting. The sages permit with all kinds of oils. And there's a whole list of oils to which permitted. And then Rabbi Tafon comes in at the end and he says, no. Um, Rabbi Tafon comes in at the end He says no en ela en zait You have to use olive oil Just as we tried to on Hanukkah by the way Because we know that olive oil is the best kind of oil And the Gemara The Halakha by the way does not go according to Rabbi Tafon But the Gemara strikes back in a way which is incredibly powerful And perhaps give us, gives us some relevance It's perhaps relevant to the way we, we um, judge Halakha today and the Gemara says, look, Rabbi Yohanan ben Nuri stood up and, and to argue against Rabbi Tafon. Rabbi Tafon is a purist, by the way. He saw the Beit dashed. He quite often follows Beit Shammai. We learned that Rabbi Tafon sometimes follows Beit Shammai according to his and gets into trouble by doing so. He's so he's Rabbi Tafon is an extremist and Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri stands up and says no we can't go like this what about people in Babylonia who don't have olive oil they only have sesame oil or people in Media who have a nut oil or people in Alexandria who have radish oil or in Cappadocia who have not only naft rather he said you can only prohibit the things that the sages have said you have to prohibit if in other words, if the sages have said, Ain Modlikin, we don't like with them, you can prohibit them. But you can't go you can't run around prohibiting other things just because you think olive oil is a better oil. There's a restriction on how many restrictions you can place on the people of Israel. It's not fair to the people of Israel to put more restrictions on them. And Rabbi Yochanan and Ben Nuri is saying, Look, you know. If the, if the sage has said they we can't do something, we can't do it. But you can't add to that. The third Mishnah then deals with technical issues to do with tuman and, and It jumps off just a, a simple statement. <laughs> the only thing you can light with that comes from a tree is flax. But then the Mishnah goes on to draw a comparison. And we've seen this before, by the way, in the... Um, mishnah bikrim that the mishnah likes to draw comparisons between one type of halacha and another and we're now going to draw comparisons between what we can light with and what contract what can become tameh and we know that if um, somebody dies in a tent not only the and you can check this if you look in the parsh of Hukat, at the sprinkling with the ashes of the red heifer you'll see that when someone dies Not only things that the dead corpse has touched or people that the corpse has touched, but also the tent that has been touched, the the, the tent that the corpse is lying in, are sprinkled with the ashes of the red heifer in order to make them to whore again. And the Mishnah is going to say, you know, just as you don't lie with anything from the tree except flax, anything that comes from a tree, anything that you make a tent out of that comes from a tree, can't become tummy except flax. Flax, if you like, is it's, it's too close to clothing basically. And along the same lines, a, a wick made of cloth. Remember, they used to make wicks out of cloth in those days. They used to take old cloth and twist it. Now, a cloth, of course, is a piece of clothing which can contract too much. what's its status if we turn it into a wick well it's sort of halfway one and halfway to the other rabbi eliezer says it's tame in other words it can become tame it's still a piece of clothing and he says you can't lie with it rabbi akiva says it's tahor it's become a wick not a piece of clothing and he also says you you can lie with it